0: Welcome to our study of Hebrews chapter 3, a chapter in which the writer gives the Hebrew Christians warning. He gives them a warning because he suspects that they, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, doubted God. They were without belief. And in this section, from verses 7 through 11, we have that warning based on the Old Testament, where the writer quotes from Psalm 95, quoting, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Hebrews chapter 3 is not concerned with people who believed and then stopped believing. It instead deals with an entire nation a people who were called and blessed by God and who, for the most part, never believed. But they did have an association with the word of God and with his prophets. They, after all, had been delivered out of Egypt. They were God's people. But their unbelief is confirmed even later, when later in history they prefer a human leader instead of God as their leader. They wanted to have a king like other nations. They wanted a leader they could see, like the heathen nations. And they were also like their descendants later who said to Jesus on the cross, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. They wouldn't have believed in him. They would merely be amazed. Now, Jesus wanted their confidence, their exclusive trust that he was sent by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. But they murmured, they complained. Now, why this warning in Hebrews chapter 3? The author sees in these Hebrew Christians similarities to Israel under the banner of God in the wilderness. They knew how God had worked on their behalf and saw the works of his hands but there was no reliance upon him. People attach themselves to religion for benefits, but they often don't believe. Now, there were benefits. Listen to Romans chapter 9. It's a discussion of the privileged people of Israel. Paul writes, They are Israelites, and to them belong the sonship, the glory, the covenants the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and of their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, God, who is over all, be blessed forever. In this century, people are very much like the Jews of the first century and the Jews of the 14th century BC, who went along with religion, but had doubts. People go to church, and they Recite the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and they sing hymns of the faith. They observe the rituals, and rituals give a false impression of rightness and truth. We have candles and incense, and that makes it seem right. The Jews had the law, and that came from God, and it seemed right when they were trying to live by that. Their problem was that they were trusting in the law for righteousness. And Paul clarified that in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, when he said, What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, righteousness through faith, but that Israel who pursued the righteousness which is based on law did not succeed in fulfilling that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it through faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Late in the 8th century B.C., Isaiah wrote the mind of God to the Jews, and he said, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams, and the fat of fed beasts bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. Why? These harsh words when they were only doing what the law demanded that they do. Because they didn't have a heart for God. You see, it's what's inside that counts, not the exterior. And Jesus talked about that to the Jews. They were so careful about washing. They were clean on the outside, but inside, he said, they were of dead men's bones. It's in the heart of man, he said, that we have fornication, adulteries, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit. All this comes from within and defiles the man. Now, what's inside can't be seen, and Paul brings out that the true Jew is not one who has something exterior, but inside of him. Romans 2.28 says, He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and you may say the same thing about a Christian. He is not a Christian who is one outwardly, who goes to church and who is baptized and who sings the hymns of the faith and who may tithe his income, although that has nothing to do with Christianity. Listen again to Paul on this subject, for he is not a real Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and real circumcision is a matter of the heart, spiritual and not literal. His praise is not from men, but from God. Religion seeks praise from men. The true believer is seeking praise from God, and he doesn't do things for the benefit of other people. What he does, he does to please God in sincerity and truth. Now, that's a lot different from religion. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10, the writer says, Therefore I was provoked with that generation, and said they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. What is this rest of which he speaks? Historically, it was rest in the land of Canaan. It was their arrival in the land which they would possess, which God promised to Abraham and his descendants as a possession forever. But there is an application to the Christian, and the writer of Hebrews is making that application we enter God's rest when we trust in him and cease trusting in ourselves or in anything that we can do in order to win God's favor. In verse 12 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, he writes, Take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. He doesn't talk to them about having a bad attitude or having shameful sins, he focuses on the heart of the matter. It's an unbelieving heart. The evil heart is an unbelieving heart. Now, how important is belief? It is the key to salvation, and it's so important the devil fears it. He fears the Word of God because people might believe the Word of God. That's brought out in the parable which Jesus gave in Luke chapter 8. He said, The seed is the word of God, and the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then what happens? Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Why? That they may not believe and be saved. You first must hear the word, and then believe the word, and the result is salvation. Now that's why the writer is so concerned about these people who are calling themselves believers in Christ in that first century. We know them as the Hebrews. And he wrote this book to them. He warns them that they might be like their forefathers. There is a battle going on between the children of light and the children of darkness, a battle between God and the evil one, The devil in Genesis chapter 3 didn't tempt Eve to curse God. Adam and Eve had the word of God. And the devil came and caused them to doubt that the word of God really meant what it said. And that has been his strategy all through history. He causes men to doubt that God's word is true. Now we move on to verse 13. Where it is written, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here is an exhortation, and by today he means not a time period, it means while you are alive and able, do something about this. He wants them to exhort one another, today. While they are thinking about it, while it's on their minds. And the reason is that none of them may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The lesson that we learn from the children of Israel in the Old Testament is that their hearts became hardened. They tested God, they doubted God, they forgot God's presence and His deliverance. They refused to believe God would keep His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis 15:18, God had made a covenant unconditional that his descendants would be given the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaim, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and the Jebusites. But they displayed no confidence in God that he would do what he promised to do. They would not believe God. Now that's unbelief. And the greatest insult toward God is unbelief. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he does not believe in the testimony that God has borne to his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. In spite of a clear promise and declaration by God as John expresses it, there are so many people who say they are not sure. They say it can't be that easy that we simply believe God. What about the Sermon on the Mount? What about the Ten Commandments? My religion has taught me to work for God. Well, God's Word tells us to believe That was the message of Jesus, and that's the message of Hebrews chapter 3. When Jesus taught about the coming of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 8, he said, When he comes, he will convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin? Because they do not believe in me. He might have said, of sin because they are selfish or lustful. But Jesus emphasized the greatest sin. It's the sin that separates man from God, and that sin is unbelief. Now let me say another word about the hardening, which is mentioned here in verse 13. He writes that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When one refuses to allow the word of God into his heart, By building up a wall so that it cannot penetrate, he is hardening his heart, and the heart gets harder and harder. If a man won't believe the Adam and Eve story, his heart hardens. Soon he won't believe in sin, or the need for a Savior from sin, or blood to wash away sin, or even that God exists and sent Jesus and gave us this word. Judgment awaits the unbeliever, but not those who believe, because they believe that Christ has borne their judgment, and they have a promise that they will not enter into judgment for sin. Jesus Christ was judged for our sin. He paid for it. Please join me tomorrow. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news.